Hello, and welcome to Single and Unashamed. My name is Beth, and I'm a Jesus follower who also happens to be single. I have ridden the wild roller coaster that is the emotions around singleness, and I think it's high time that we start talking about it more because the truth is that being single isn't a sin. It isn't a disease, and it doesn't define someone's value. While I've never actually thought it was a sin or a disease, I have doubted my value because of my singleness. And for more of my life than I care to admit, I was rattled with insecurities because I was still single. A lot of this comes from growing up and living in a Christian culture that frankly can idolize marriage. It comes from growing up with practically every movie, TV show, or book I watched or read, having a main plotline of happily ever after. And it comes from me looking for validation and love from a source that was never meant to satisfy me. I may still ride that roller coaster now and then, but I've got a healthier perspective now. A perspective that is rooted in the truth of who I am in Christ. A perspective that doesn't begrudge the story that God is writing with me. A perspective that has allowed me to fully enjoy life as it is, as a single woman, rather than waiting for it to magically start when I get married. I know I can't help every teen, college student, or yearning adult avoid all the heartbreak and tears I've experienced along the way, but I can start the conversation so hopefully more people can stop waiting for life to start when they finally get married and start living a full life now, single and unashamed. Each episode, I'll be having a conversation with a new guest talking about their experience with singleness, with the hope that these conversations will bring you closer to the truth that nothing is wrong with you if you are single, and that you find people to relate to and learn from. Well, today, our guest is Garrett. He is a new friend to me, but if you listened to episode one, he is a good friend of Molly's, and so that's how I made the connection, and I'm so excited to have him on the show today. So, Garrett, say hi. Hello, everybody. Uh, Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me on here. This is great. Absolutely. I am really excited to hear your story and also really excited to get a guy's perspective uh, on the show for the first time. Wow. Lots of pressure, but I'll do my best. No pressure whatsoever. Yes. No, it's good. It's good. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, like she said, my name is Garrett. Uh, I live in Springfield, Missouri, uh, the same place as Molly. So if you listen to episode number one, uh, we live in the same town and um, I actually also work in ministry, but I work at the church we go to. Uh, I'm one of the youth ministers specifically. I work with middle school kids um, and I grew up here. So I work at the church I grew up at, which is great and weird at the same time. I'm 29 years old. And I have a dog. That's probably the next thing I would tell someone is that I have a really cool dog named Shasta. He is a golden retriever, um, but he's a red golden retriever. So he, his hair and my hair are actually the same color, <laughs> which is kind of I gross and weird and wonderful all at the same time. But um, he's the dumbest dog you'll ever meet. So dumb. Just a stupid dog. But he's so sweet. So he will love you. He just might run into a wall walking and stuff like that but that's he's great. So funny and how old is he he's three years old yes yes he's three years old I got him right before the pandemic which was a happy accident but definitely came in clutch <laughs> during those stay-at-home months so 
Yeah, I can imagine. Great. You have listened to a couple of episodes. You know, I like to ask people, serious or funny, what's something that you're passionate about? Okay, well, okay, a silly thing that I'm passionate about, and if this is lame, I'm sorry, but uh, do you know what New Music Fridays is on Spotify? It's the day I... artists release all their new music. Okay. It's, it's really lame. I love to get on at midnight, like Thursday night at midnight, and be the first person to hear new music, and then wake up, and that way I can be the person that's like, oh yeah, I've already heard that, or something, when friends text me about something. Which is a really lame thing to be excited about, but I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it. I don't think that's lame. It might be a tad bit nerdy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Nerdy. Yes. But we need to all admit that we've got the things that we're nerdy about. So, Since I work at a church, I'm, I work on Sundays, and so I'm off on a Friday. And so that's when I stay up and I listen to new music Fridays every Friday. That's great. To see that's who's awesome. dropping some, some good music. That's great. All right. Well, we're going to move into our rapid fire questions. And so I'll start the first one with what's your favorite band? My favorite band. Oh man. That's a, that's a great question. Probably the one I come back to the most is one Republic. They had a album a long time ago called native and it's one of my favorite albums. And they're just like, you can just easy listen into one Republic almost all the time. So yeah, I'd have to say one Republic pretty basic, but. Favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. <laughs> it's pretty lame. Here we have Andy's frozen custard, and so I really don't, I prefer custard always, but vanilla, it's hard to do better than just a good vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Um, do you have, this is this may not be a rapid fire question. Sure. Forgive me for the weirdness of this question. Do you okay. have a favorite word? Oh my gosh. Yes. I was just talking about this. Um, Flabbergasted is one of my favorite words. I just think it's one of those words that sounds like what it means. Flabbergasted is a great word. And um, I just was thinking of another one today too, but because I said it and I went, that is such a weird word. Uh, It was a, not flabbergasted, fibbergibbet. Do you know that word, fibbergibbet? I don't. I've heard my grandpa say that before. <laughs> and so I just was thinking about it today. And I thought, I don't know what it means, but I like it. But I like the word. That's great. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then if you were choosing, would you go on vacation to the mountains, the beach, or the city? Oh, the city, for sure. People don't usually ask about the city. I That's a great third option. I am a redhead, so I live in fear of the sun. So the beach is a lot, but also if you're on a mountain, you get sunburn there too. So, or windburn at least. I love winter though. So if it was only beach and mountains, I would choose the mountains for sure. But um, I also love going to cities. So yeah, I would definitely choose cities. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite that you've explored so far? I love Chicago. I think it's First of all, it's not too far from where I live. So that's it's probably the easiest big city for me to get to um, outside of St. Louis. But because I live in Missouri, Chicago is like a taste of a bigger city on the coasts, but in the dabsack middle of the United States. So it's really nice. Yeah. And they have yeah, a great theater great. scene there, too. I mean, I love they have great food. I love Chicago. Awesome. Thank you for sharing those. Um, yeah, let's absolutely. jump into what we're here to talk about. Sure. So tell me. What has your experience with singleness looked like in your 29 years? 
I mean, you know, the whole thing's kind of been a shock for most of that. I would assume uh, most single people might feel that way. But probably until, I mean, until I was probably 25 or 26 years old, like I never considered that I might just be single, like long term, maybe forever, if that's God's will or whatever. Um, But I was definitely raised to get married and have a family young and those kind of things. I remember growing up, my mom and my grandma always joked that like I was going to get married as soon as I was 18 and all these different things because I'm I'm a pretty emotional guy. So girls, like I tend to be pretty understanding compared to most guys when girls are feeling overwhelmed or burdened or those kind of things. I'm I'm feeling it too, you know, and I'm, I'm ready to empathize. But they were always like, oh, he'll be the first one to get married. And then my older brother and my younger brother both got married at 18 and I did not. And uh, wow. I just remember being like, well, this isn't, hey, listen, we picked out slots earlier and I was supposed to go first. And uh, so then I went to Bible college, which I don't know if you've been around Bible colleges or if your listeners have. But Ring uh, by spring. That's exactly right. It's the pressure cooker of marriages or at least relationships. Most of them end up in marriages. And so I remember (laughs) this one wonderful old lady in my church. I told her I was going to go to Bible college and her, she just started crying, happy crying. And I was like, oh, you know, why are you crying? And I remember her just, her just going, you're going to get married. And that was her excitement for me going to Bible college was that I was going to get married when I was a 20 year old and I was going to Bible college. So, uh, I remember thinking like, okay, well, maybe that's what's going to happen at Bible college. And then I graduated and was not married and not in a relationship. And that was probably scary. So I would, I graduated when I was 24. And so singleness was kind of like this, like, well, I guess I'll figure it out when I get married or that kind of thing. All my friends were getting married, almost all of them. And uh, yeah, I just felt like this was not what I've prepared for. So that's mostly been my singleness until I was probably 25, 26, 27. And then I started to notice like, man, marriage looks really hard. <laughs> like seeing my friends' marriages and a couple of them falling apart and and people really struggling through that and all the things that that brought. And I just thought for the first time, like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. You know, um, I don't love it all the time. And I probably am still in that boat. But that's probably when I started to go, oh, like, there's actually some goodness to this singleness thing as well, um, just as far as simplicity is concerned with my life and things like that. And that marriage isn't the answer to all of our problems. Right. Yeah. Just like, yeah, seeing how much pain is inside of marriage as well as in singleness. I think it took me a little bit to not feel bad for myself and then notice that my friends were really struggling and their wives were really struggling and thinking, hmm, I maybe this is fine. You know, maybe this is just as good as that because that seems to really hurt. And so, um, yeah, that's probably where I sit more now, but. Yeah. I think that's so interesting what you said of there's pain and singleness as well as in marriage. Mm -hmm. And I think that we don't often think about in our singleness think we're thinking about getting away from the pain of singleness yeah when in actuality life has pain yeah. and the our relationship status isn't going to keep that pain away from us right yeah I and I 
sadly, that's just come from watching other people suffer in their marriages and through relationships ending and divorce or, you know, a lot of pain. And I, you know, feel for those people, but I'm also sometimes I'm like, wow, I am so grateful <laughs> that I have not experienced that kind of hurt. Uh, and that might be selfish, but uh, yeah, it's definitely been more noticeable as, as the, just the older I get more and more. I see people that got married really young that were super in love and now they are really struggling. And so seeing them work through that or not work through that has been very eye-opening for my own singleness, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've had to learn myself because I can definitely fall into that of I like comfort and I like ease and simplicity And so I can look at the hard and say, Ooh, well, I don't want that. Right. When actually there are marriages I will look at and be like, Oh, they've got it. So like, right. Like that's beautiful. And what a picture and they're doing it well, or, you know, they've just been with blessed with different circumstances, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But I think what's so important I think what I want a lot of people to hear is that, man, just stop looking at the grass on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, your marriage could look different and could not have that pain or it could. Right. But looking at the grass that's not in your current circumstance. (laughs) Yeah. Always, 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 always takes us to a place of of either envy or discontent um which just can lead to to places of sin too and so as much as comparison can affect us like internally in terms of how we feel about ourselves i think that same thing of comparison relationships does the same thing yeah no i'd agree absolutely Man, I would love to hear specifically as a guy, what were the types of expectations that you felt growing up? And it I don't know, maybe it'll be the same thing that I felt as a as a girl, but what did you feel as a guy going into, you know, high school and like you said, Bible college? Was it just that you would be in a relationship or did you feel like you know, I'm the guy. And so I was supposed to pursue and make this happen. Like, what did you, what did you deal with there? in as a guy, that's a good question. I I'll start by just saying, I think, uh, culturally, there are some things that might make it a little easier on men to be single, especially the younger we are. Um, not necessarily from a Christian perspective, but from like, just culturally, like, outside of the church like it's pretty normal for 29 year olds to be single um i don't hear any like from some of my friends that are not necessarily christians i don't hear a lot of like oh that's weird that you're still single it's it's more like yeah i guess marriage is a thing that happens one day you know like they're still living in that whereas like inside the church i do feel like um somehow and I don't know if this is every church or just the churches I've been a part of or something like that, but like, there seems like there's something for everyone at every age until you graduate college. And then like the next thing that churches seem to have for you is when you're a young family and, uh, or a young couple even, uh, 
but there's really nothing for a single adult. Like, it's just like, I guess you can come to church, but we don't have anything really for you because everyone's so different that's in that, uh, that stage of life and people move all the time as single people. And, and so it's hard to have a ministry focus towards that. So I think just like something that I experienced as a guy was the places that maybe I could go meet people, especially working in ministry, I am not supposed to go to. Uh, whether that's to like a bar or downtown or to uh, a club or something like that. Simply just because of like, because I'm a Christ follower, not only that, but also because I am a minister. uh, It was kind of like, well, how am I supposed to meet (laughs) people my age? And so I felt trapped like that. And I don't know if that's a guy thing or not necessarily, but, um, and you know, dating apps, not for me. I, I just can't. Uh, allow my heart to do that <laughs> yet maybe one day who knows but um if certain people in my life have their way then I'll get on dating apps one day but I just I just feel like I that's not how I want to meet people I'm pretty relational so I'd like to meet people in person first and then yeah like at Bible college it was very much like who are you asking out who are you pursuing that was like the catchphrase the pursuing and who are you really pursuing right now and you know, I dated in college and I dated one person in particular and, you know, off and on and off and on. And then we graduated and we moved to different places and it just didn't work out. And so uh, I do feel like some of my Christian sisters who were expecting uh, the guy to pursue them, you know, a lot of time guys are pretty dumb and we don't pick up on things. And uh, just as a stereotype that is sometimes true and uh I think I probably fell into that a little bit of being friends with people and then assuming it was going somewhere and me being like oh I haven't even actually thought of you that way and now I feel like a jerk um I think some of my friends that stayed single longer had that kind of same thing like kind of after a certain age, it turned to almost like, am I allowed to talk to this woman? <laughs> because she's single yeah. and I'm single. And if I'm seen talking to her, are people going to try and think that we're dating and try and put that on us? When really, I just like, I just want friends, you know, uh, I just want to know what they're like. I, it's not necessarily that I'm trying to get a date or anything like that. And I think a lot of a lot of men like can't handle the christian sexual ethic that comes with following jesus which is you know not to have sex outside of a marriage and those kind of things and so to them that's like the driving force of finding their person and finding their wife and i'm like yeah that would be great but that's just not what i've sought out so i think to me like being a guy is different in a lot of ways one i think it's a little easier to get away with right now in culture than maybe necessarily for women to get away with being single, just which is sad and maybe unfair, but true. And then also, I think just like the pressure that I feel from other adult women that know somebody or or have a sister or a cousin or uh, a widowed aunt or, you know, these are all like <laughs> real life things that people have tried to bring to my attention or, you know, my mom's friend's daughter's cousin or something, you know, just all these things like, oh, I know a single person. And it's like, 
great. Like we can sometimes just exist in the same world without trying to couple up. So I, I don't know if that's a guy thing or not, but I'm sure, you know, women probably feel that pressure too. But um, because of sometimes me being the guy, it's kind of more like, well, if you would just talk to this person, then I bet you'd marry her. And it's like, wow, that's a lot. That's a big step from not even knowing who this person is to now I'm supposed to marry them. So thanks for that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I don't know if that makes any sense what I just said. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just even listening from to all three of the first episodes um, and hearing just some of the things that you guys have gone through. I do think there's a difference between how some Christian women maybe are treated um, as single people and how Christian men are treated. But I think the older I get, the more it's like, uh, okay, man, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you not picking somebody maybe seen as more selfish or, um, you know, something's wrong with me or I'm too selfish to be with somebody. Those kind of, yeah, those have kind of come across underneath what they're really saying, you know? So yeah. I just rambled forever, so hopefully that's okay, but no, that was great. That was great. So something you said sparked my mind. Yeah. So as a woman, I have struggled in my singleness to feel the pain of like not being chosen. Mm-hmm. Like this desire to be chosen at times has felt almost debilitating in yeah. in the pain that it's caused. As a guy, does that feel different or is there maybe this outside force of people's pressure for you to choose? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I would say, you know, I have dated in the past and I was not chosen. So I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, um, so I have felt that feeling of not being chosen. And I think that definitely flares up sometimes in my heart, in my mind. Um, but I do think, especially like the older I've gotten, the more it's like, um, yeah, the pressure to choose, like just choose someone, like choose someone. Like it almost like I could have anyone I ever wanted, which is not true. But I mean, it does seem like hey, you like, you're not really a man or you're not really an adult until you've chosen someone. So choose someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and ooh, I mean, that's, there's a lot of assumptions in that and a lot of uh, bad, I mean, history and theology, honestly, but the, uh, I do. Yeah. I, I will say like, I'm lucky in that. I think my family has really grown in their understanding of like me being a single guy and and not putting that pressure on me. Um, I will say working in a church, (laughs) sometimes people mean well, but uh, they really are hurtful and they think they're just making a joke or, you know, and meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, that's actually my reality and you're just joking about it. So um, I I would say there is probably a difference in that it doesn't, hasn't really felt like I'm just waiting for someone, you know? Which I think, um, yeah, I can totally see why more Christian women maybe even are raised to think that um, you are waiting for the guy to come and get you and sweep you off your feet and and treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. You know, all those things. Um, 
since that's not necessarily the expectation on me, I do think there's probably more of a pressure to choose. Just choose. Just take a take yeah. your pick. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> that, is, that is a little weird. And it's unhealthy, um, but it's okay. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of people's reactions. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, within you know, being being a guy, a single guy in a church, being a single yeah. girl in a church. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. So um what have some of those unhelpful reactions been? And then kind of with that, how do you wish that they would react instead? Yeah. I mean, I you know, I've already kind of talked about the Oh, you're single? Let me think who you need to be with. Like this uh reaction of I'm an incomplete person. Um, yeah. As if my soul was not a whole soul, but just partial until I meet that person and get married and settle down and all those things. Uh, so that has been an unhelpful reaction. And a lot of times, honestly, I react pretty negatively, um, at least internally towards that. It makes me pretty cynical, honestly, about when people bring up that I'm single or something, uh, a lot of times when I'm preaching or teaching, I'll start at, at a new place. I'll start with, um, Hey, I am single. Here's a picture of my dog. I'm doing okay. Please don't rush the stage with phone numbers or pictures on Facebook or those kind of things of the person that you have in your life who's single. Um, because to me that shows that you don't really care about me. And it also shows you actually don't care about that girl or that woman because you don't even care if I'm a good guy. You just think she's incomplete or I'm incomplete. Mm. And so um, it actually shows me how shallow you are. <laughs> and and then I turn a little cynical on those kind of things. And really they're just like, you know, just trying to be a good friend and help their friend get a date or whatever. Some other unhelpful reactions, they mostly have to do with church people because I am a youth minister. I do a lot of teaching and like, I'll bring up like, oh, Jesus didn't have a wife. And they're like, well, you know, I've actually had someone say before, well, he just didn't live long enough. Um, and I'm like, no, he was perfect. Like he was, he was the standard, you know, so he wasn't missing anything. He's, he's doing a great job <laughs> being a, a human man. So, uh, you know, it's hard not to be snarky back to those things. Uh, would I wish when they find, find out I'm single is ask me how I deal with that? Like, Hey, what do you like that? Do you? wish you weren't single um you know do you want to stay single like questions about me personally instead of like what are you looking for and all this you know oh who do you why what's wrong with you is kind of the in, the undercurrent of some questions people ask uh instead of like oh hey you should come over and have dinner with us sometime or those kind of things it's like they just jump straight to like oh i know the biggest need in your life a woman and a lot of times it's like, no, nah, I'm, I have other problems. You know, I have other needs and things I need help sorting out. Um, yeah. So I, what I wish people would have more is an understanding of, um, like, I'm not a problem to be fixed because I'm single, but I'm actually just as much of a person as that married couple is or, or the people in that marriage are. And, um, Yeah. I think that's probably been the most disappointing thing. You know, everyone's family wants to see them happy and everyone and usually most people in the family are married. Um, I'm lucky. I have a few extended family members that are single and have stayed single into, you know, their fifties and sixties and are happy. 
And so I at least have an example of that, uh, which I know a lot of my single friends don't necessarily have. And so um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but even the, my seeing some of my family's reaction to those people or when that person not being married comes up and they just talk about, oh, it's just too bad, you know. I'm like, is that how you see me? You know, am I a sad case to you? Because I don't feel that way most of the time. So it's weird that you see me that way. Absolutely. That there's something that would make it impossible for a single person to be happy. Yeah. Or fulfilled. Right. Which is not to say, like, I don't feel that way sometimes. Sometimes I do feel that way. And I would agree with that sentiment. But most days, you know, I'm just trying to live another faithful day and doing the best I can to do the next right thing. And so a lot of times I'm not trying to think, dwell on that or think about that. And so it can kind of ruin your whole day when someone is like, oh, well, I have a cousin who, you know, and it's like, don't do that to your cousin and don't do it to me. You know, like, it's just, (laughs) it's cruel. So anyway. Growing up, it felt like marriage was like the next part of my discipleship. And like, I wasn't a real follower of Jesus until I was refined through marriage and like had a wife to argue with and kids to struggle raising and those kind of things. And uh, so many people in church history, church mothers and church fathers chose to be single and, and celibate. And, you know, we're recipients of that time and energy they spent instead serving the Lord and praying and and doing those things and so it just really shows me like what your real number one thing in your life is as opposed to like we all say you know Jesus is number one God is number one in my life and that's great but um if when you look at other people your first thought's not about them but what's lacking then it's probably not true and so um yeah I definitely you know, I'm not anti-marriage. Marriage is great. And I'm so thankful for my parents. My parents have a great, have had a really great marriage. And um, I see the goodness that comes from a healthy Christian marriage and kids' lives and getting to see them in my youth group. Like, you know, it really does give kids a foot up and as they grow. So I think there's so many great things about marriage. You know, for a while, I feel like the pendulum swung from, I want to be married to, I'm never getting married. And I'm not going to be, I don't want that. And now it's more in the middle of like, yeah, it would be great. And, and that's what I thought would happen. And hopefully it does, but if it doesn't, okay. You know, and I can still have a really good life, a really meaningful, purposeful life without that blessing. And instead of this one. So, yeah. 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 I, something you said uh, a little bit ago about, marriage you you felt that that was like the next step in your discipleship journey of until I get married you know I haven't been refined enough I legitimately remember writing and I this had to have been in like my mid-20s sure um maybe you know maybe around 27 where I said to the Lord uh I have grown as much as I can (laughs) right yeah and so you need to bring me a man so that I can continue to grow and it's now 10 years later and that has not happened and I have (laughs) grown so much over those years and there have been lots of refining situations and moments in my life and so yeah I think I just keep going back to that 
looking at the grass on the other side. Oh yeah. I mean, I've got journals too. I'm sure, I mean, I've got years of journals that I'm positive. I was like, God, I know this is the year that I'm going to meet my wife or discover who she is or those kind of things. And, you know, it's eight, nine years later. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like, this is not at all. Like, what kind of kid wrote this? You know, that's how I feel. Like, almost like I knew better than God um, or culture knew better what was best for me. So I totally understand that. <laughs> I feel that in my heart, too. So as you've kind of had these different seasons, like you just said, right, like saying this is the year and and then dealing with the disappointment of that or whatever, how have you seen and felt and experienced the Lord being present to you or not feeling present to you in your journey with singleness? Oh, you know, I bet, I think, I feel like we could talk for hours probably about this, but when being single has bothered me the most, I find that that loneliness is actually like a fear of being alone. And anytime it's helped me understand, like anytime I'm feeling fear, it's probably because I'm holding something up as an idol. Um, either that's security or, you know, I don't want to be lonely or I am jealous or whatever it is. A lot of times, like, you know, some, some nights you go to bed and you're like, I hope I don't die because otherwise my dog might eat me. Like that's like, and somebody would find me like, that's a real thought I've had, which is pretty morbid, but I, that's kind of my personality. And so like, I have had the thought before going to bed, like, especially if I can get sick or something like no one's there to take care of me. It's just me and my dog. And so I'm like, gosh, I hope somebody finds me before my dog gets hungry. You know, like those kind of things like, and it's so dark and gross, but then I'm actually like, oh no, like then I would be with the Lord. Like, why am I, you know, that's like such a, a stupid thought when the reality of what would be in that moment is so much greater. And so I feel that way anytime I start to feel lonely or sad or like a loser or those kind of things. It, a lot of time that's like a, a warning sign that I'm actually not putting the Lord in his rightful place in my life and, and not depending on him and counting on him and knowing he's with me um, and those kind of things. When I feel that, um, you know, I'm not perfect at identifying that in the moment, but it has gotten better where I, I used to just spiral. I feel like for days at a time about being lonely or sad or whatever that my life wasn't what I had pictured when I was growing up or what I thought it would be. But now I'm getting to the point where I can say, like, actually, what am I holding up against Jesus right now? And and that will pale in comparison every time if I just remember to put Jesus back in his rightful yeah. place in my life. And so, you know, I wish I could do that immediately. I, you know, and I maybe, maybe one day it'll be more natural for me to do that after much more practice. But I I have loved getting to the point where I'm not as uh, prone to stay in that pit of self-pity or whatever it is and instead go, oh, like this is actually like Jesus is actually trying to teach me something right now and uh, something has taken his place. And so what is that? And, and journaling through that or talking with that, um, with a mentor about that, that kind of stuff has been like really actually a very helpful thing about my singleness um it's been a way to identify idols that i have up against god so i don't know if that's, that's what you great. asked but that's what i just said so 
I don't even remember what I asked at this hey, point. That's okay. So yeah, that was yeah, yeah. no, that was great. As you have been put in place of, you know, guiding, discipling this younger generation. So thinking high school and below, how do you think we're supposed to in a really balanced way lead this generation to have like a more holistic perspective? Yeah. You know, I I was in youth at the end of the 90s and early 2000s and the purity movement was in high like full swing at that moment and and uh it really left no other option besides getting married and you know that seems like the only way to be happy and content and so a lot of time like I do sometimes talk about it to my fifth through eighth graders because they've probably never heard someone on stage say that they're single and that it's okay and yeah. uh so anytime I get the chance to talk about it because the truth is some of the people that I'm talking to will be single and I don't know of a single time in my whole life that before I was 22 or 23 when someone said hey it's okay to be single from a church stage or a church you know lesson or something like that or a retreat or anything and so I had just never considered it I don't think it was an intentional thing I just think I never knew and then you open your eyes and you're like oh Paul was single Jesus was single you know people have been single throughout all church history and people are today and so just making it an option so that maybe if they do find themselves in that situation, it's okay. They, they know like, Oh, actually like God still has a great plan and a great life for me. Um, it's not a secondary thing. It's I'm not a second class kingdom citizen or anything like that. Um, like God cares just as much about me, whether I'm married or not. And so, I'm not incomplete, those kind of things. So I really do say it as much as I can to kids because part of that's probably an overreaction on my part. Um, but just like, hey, like some of you are going to be single and it's that's okay. It's not a bad thing, actually. And if you can have that in your realm of possibilities, maybe it won't hit you upside the head like it did me or Absolutely. so many of my other single friends my age where it was just not a possibility that we would be single. Yep. And you know, so they don't maybe go through the pendulum swing that I have. Uh, and <laughs> I could still, you know, like, who knows? I could get bitter again to a point where it swings back the other way or the other way. Who knows? But the, when I feel healthy and holy and, and close to the Lord, like, I know, like, he understands the, that pain. And he's actually an example of a single person who is perfectly holy and complete and wonderful and lived the best life that anyone could ever live and so um how do we raise kids to that i think you just talk about it all i know is no one talked about it when i was a kid um i didn't know it was an option and so then i felt like something was wrong with me or god was upset with me and if i can keep kids from thinking god doesn't like them as much or you know there's something shameful about them and they actually are just as much of a person as anyone else in God's eyes and he loves them so much like great you know I, I I feel like that's the next right thing I can do for them I'm sure there's a better answer than that and I'm positive you know I'm not the only single youth minister out there but 
some people are probably much smarter than me about that. But I do think just saying like, hey, like I actually most of the time am pretty great. And I'm not upset. I'm not sitting in my room every night thinking, man, woe is me. I can't believe I'm not married yet or those kind of things. Like, yeah, those nights come and they happen. But most of the time I'm just happy and content because the Lord is my Lord and, and I am living a good and faithful life. And so that's its own reward. So I yeah. think just acknowledging that this is a possibility and actually it's a great possibility and not not framing it of a like, oh, too bad, I'm single. But instead being like, yeah, like I'm single and I still get to have this great dog, you know, and I love this dog and I still own my house and I still, you know, like there's all these things like I still have really great deep friendships because I don't have to go home and take care of kids and those things, which are great. But like now I get to be part of my friends' kids' lives and like highlighting the blessings of a single life. Um, rather than just the sadness of a single life. That's probably my strategy, I would say, of how to teach yeah. kids about singleness. Yeah. So we had talked briefly on a phone call about how maybe some young 20s, especially if they're in college and they're in a situation where they're in community with people who are in the same phase and season of life, um, that singleness definitely feels different and it's a different experience in singleness coming out of, of college. And so do you have any advice for any college students who are struggling with their singleness going into what will inevitably be a harder season if, you know, they don't maybe switch their perspective? Yeah, it's a great question would probably say a couple of things, but one thing I would say is like, make sure you have a good understanding of what Christian friendship is. Um, and, and chances are those around us don't have a good understanding of that either because that wasn't elevated. Um, this is for most of us growing up in our churches, a deep, meaningful, loving friendship was not held up as the most important part of the gospels, but that is part of what Jesus's life was an example of with his disciples and, and those around him was he was a good friend. And so, mm. um, like what I would say is focus on being the best friend that you, you can and, and then go from there. Um, because whether or not you're called to a marriage, you're called to some sort of relationship with somebody yeah we can't do this life alone it's just not possible um and god doesn't want us to do that um but marriage is not the only way to have a have people you know have your people yeah. or, or your tribe or who, wh whatever you call it um and and also like friendships change and seasons come and go and people get married and then they're trying to figure that out and so they're going to be a different kind of friend to you um but that doesn't mean they're not your friend and 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 just like really managing our expectations of our friends uh i think that was probably when i would feel loneliest was when friendships of mine would change and i wasn't ready to accept that and so um what has really helped me is i just tried my best to study and read books about friendship and you know, C.S. Lewis has that book, The Four Loves, and one of the four loves is um, the friendship type of love. And 
he talks about how important and it's actually the most special kind of love because it's totally optional. It feels like you have to choose it every time. And so it's the the most weightless or like the lightest of loves and most joyful because you're just choosing it each time. It's not a oath or a, those kind of things, which you not that you don't make promises to your friends, but, and that really helped me. There's another book called Made for Friendship by a guy named Drew Hunter. And like married people need friends too. So just because you're single doesn't mean you can't be friends with married people. You know, my two best friends, well, my three best friends are all married guys. And now I have three extra friends and their wives. And yeah, there are times when it's like, this is kind of an awkward conversation to have with you, but also like they know their husbands better than most people. So of course I love them. They love my friends. And so um, that's actually been a really great surprise for me is like, marriage is not the end of a friendship. It's actually like you're gaining another friend. If you can, if you can make yourself available to that new spouse or new person. So that would be my advice for people like graduating college because college is so easy to have friends. I feel like it's like community, community, community. Like everything is about being with people that are like you, your same age, the same stage yeah. of life. And when you graduate college, like it's kind of a wasteland, it feels like, out here. And so you're just finding things you can do with your life, it feels like. And, uh, yeah, I mean, friends move and stuff. But if you have a good understanding of Christian friendship and accurate expectations of those friends, like, I think that's probably the best way to set yourself up, not to suffer with loneliness too much. Yeah, that would be my advice, I guess. I love that. That's great. Thank you. Any other bit of advice um, or maybe last words that you would want people to hear from you i i don't know if this is eloquent or not if everyone could get on the same page that like singleness is a gift and marriage is a gift and both sometimes they're horrible like you know like they're great and they're like double-edged swords you know absolutely just don't be a marriage zombie like don't try and turn me just because then we can both suffer in the same way you know like Actually, I might be able to tell you what's great about your marriage and not have to have one of my own and be able to help you see things that because you're just in the middle of it, you can't see um, and give you an appreciation that is like a diverse opinion instead of the same one. So, yeah, I know that's not very like a good mind picture or whatever, but it does feel like that sometimes like, oh, great, here comes another marriage zombie just wanting to turn me into the kind of problem they have, which is maybe a cynical way to think of it. but. That would be my advice just to anyone else that's like, how do I love single people? Yeah, just like acknowledge that like there are good and bad things about both. Whether we can see that all the time or not, that's why we have each other. That'd be my stuff. <laughs> that's what I have, I think. Awesome. Well, Garrett, thank you so much for joining us, being on the show, being brave to share your story. Um, it's just been such a pleasure getting to talk with you today. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, friends, I really hope that you were encouraged and I certainly hope that the conversation wouldn't stop here. If you are single and feel ashamed by that, I pray that you would dig in with God and with your trusted friends to start a journey towards freedom from that shame. Because friend, you are valued and loved regardless of your relationship status. I promise you. All right. We'll catch you on another episode of Single and Unashamed. 